Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, today we'll be hearing a very solemn message given by Mr. Tom Baker, evangelist to inner-city gangs and criminals. And he knows firsthand all about the awful effects of sin upon the lives of individuals. Mr. Baker explains what the Bible often speaks of, sin and the separation that it causes. You see, there are a number of lines of separation that describe the human condition, the separation that sin causes between man and God. And this, of course, is our greatest and most urgent problem. And then this leads to an inevitable separation called death, something that we all have to face. And then there is the eternal separation of the unsaved in a place of judgment called hell. And lastly, Mr. Baker explains how the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ has come between our sin and God. He has bridged the gap the great separation of sin that keeps us out of God's heaven. We trust that today's broadcast will help you think seriously about the great sin problem and will direct you to the wonderful remedy that God has provided to bring sinners back to himself. Isaiah chapter 59, reading from verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Notice your iniquities, your sins between you and God. Please read with me in First Samuel chapter 20. It has to do with a man named David. He was fleeing for his life, and he was fearing that death was very near. And he's speaking to a friend of his named Jonathan, and he said in verse 3, And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Notice the little expression, me and death. Now in the New Testament, or the Second Testament, Luke, please, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed with purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, 
and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Notice the little expression, us and you. First Timothy, please, for the final reading. First Timothy chapter 2. It's speaking about God, our Savior. And verse 4 picks it up. It says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Last Mother's Day, I was in Los Angeles and I heard on the radio a report. They called it Operation Get on the Bus. What it amounted to was young children whose mothers were in prison were taken from a certain location to the women's jail. And there was a time when the children could spend the afternoon with their mothers. I've been to that jail. It's a very sad thing to see women who should be at home with their families locked down in a prison cell. But the sad note on the whole thing is this. At the end of the day, those children went back on that bus and the mothers went back to their prison cells. And as those children were pulled away in that bus, those big iron doors were closed and those doors stood between mother and child. Sad. The consequences of sin and the consequences of crime. But there's something sadder still. In the verses that we have read together, in each passage, we have that word between. In the first passage, it speaks to us of sin that is between the sinner and God. In the second passage, it tells us of a step that is between the sinner and death. In the third passage, it tells us of the separation, a great gulf fixed between the sinner and God's heaven. But in the last passage, it tells us of a Savior, the Savior, that stands or can stand between the sinner and God. You see, my friend, the problem that you have with God is not that he is so great and you are so small. It's not that he is infinite and you are finite. It's not that he is almighty and you are so weak compared to him. That's not the problem. Those are things that God can deal with. Those are things that are not a problem when it comes to God seeking after you. The problem is your sin has separated between you and your God. It is the desire of God that you become aware of this solemn truth, the truth of your sin and what it means to you and what it means to God. 
God tells you that there is no way that you can possibly enter into heaven in your sin. In your sin, you are guilty. In your sin, you are condemned to die and go to the awful place called hell. And God tells you and he tells me that there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You'll notice, if you would, in those verses, I didn't read verse 3 to you, but in verse 2 and verse 3 of Isaiah 59, nine times you have the expression, you and yours, you and yours. God wants you to identify with the problem. He wants you to understand it's your sin. It's your iniquity that separates between you and God. What does that separation mean? It means, my friend, that you cannot reach God, that you are alienated from him, that you are not fit for heaven, and that if you were to die in your sin, you'd be lost and lost for all eternity. There was one thing that God never desired to see, and that was to see a separation between him and man. God's whole purpose for creation is for the benefit of mankind, for the human race. And God wanted to enjoy the presence and the pleasure of being with his creation, the prime of his creation, the human race. But what happened? Right at the very outset, the very threshold of the Bible, we find that man disobeyed God. It wasn't one of those great big sins that man did. It wasn't drunkenness. It wasn't one of the big ten. It was a sin of disobedience. And man took from God what God said he should not partake of. And because of that, the human race was plunged into sin. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve understood. And they could see for the first time that something was wrong. There was a change that came over them. There was a distance between them and God. Sin had made a separation between Adam and God. But listen to what happened. It wasn't Adam who got down upon his knees in that garden and cried out for mercy. It wasn't Adam who sought the heavens to find God. It wasn't Adam who cried out for help. Adam was in his sin. And what did sin cause Adam to do? It caused them to turn against God and to hide himself, to make a pretext, a presentation of sewing some fig leaves together. Sin caused Adam to try to hide from God. You know what sin does to the sinner tonight if you're not saved? It does to you. It makes you want to hide from God. There is none who seeketh after God. That includes you if you're not saved. It was God who sought after Adam. That question came ringing through the garden that day. Adam, where art thou? And for the first time, Adam had to come to realize he was separated from God. What a sad thing. Because God had to drive Adam out. He drove out the man from his presence. Sin is an ugly thing. Sin is a dreadful thing. Sin is a real thing. And the problem is that sin causes people to become comfortable in sin. We were having a series of meetings in Los Angeles among some gang members. Our two sons were preaching with me. We preached for approximately four or five months. And there was a young man coming to those meetings. He was from the gangs. He came for maybe a month and a half. And one day, one of the boys was there, and he said to him, calling him by name, he said, what are you doing here? You of all people coming to a Bible meeting. You know what his response was? We had a two roads, two destiny chart. That means a map that shows 
what the Lord Jesus Christ could speak about, about a road going down, which is the broad road that goes down to the place called hell. And then now a road that goes up to the place called heaven. And before those two roads at the place of decision, it stands a cross or stands the Savior. And he was looking at that two roads chart. He turned to his friend and he said this, before I ever came to those meetings, I never realized that I was a sinner. And I have never realized that because of my sin, I was going down to this awful place. But since I've been coming to these meetings, I have come to find out that I am guilty before God. And I'm not going to stop coming until I'm sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Oh, it's a wonderful thing when a person realizes that my sin has made a separation between God and me. That I am guilty. And when a person becomes sick of sin, when a person realizes I'm going to die... Without hope. I remember the time when I became sick of my sin. The only thing I wanted, the only thing I craved was to be free, was to be saved. Your sin, your sin. But we read that the hand of God is not shortened, that he cannot save. You see, man can't reach God, but God can reach man. And God has stooped down to where man is. He has come in mercy. And in love, in the person of his only beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God manifested in human flesh. The Lord Jesus moved in absolute perfection, coming to man, coming to where we are in all our sin and all our defilement. He came in all his perfection and all his moral beauties. And the Lord Jesus, sinless, spotless, went to the cross of Calvary. And he bowed himself to save sinners. He put himself in the place that sin deserves. Sin deserves death. The wages of sin is death. And he gladly, lovingly, willingly entered into death for the sinner. Yes, my friend, he suffered all that your sins deserve. Your sin, it separates between you and God. But there's one who came to bridge that great gulf. Take your sins away. We read as well about a step between a sinner and death. Oh, the solemnity of death. Life is so uncertain, but death is so real. And this man, David, as he contemplated his life, and he began to think of the realities of going from time into eternity, he could say it this way, as the Lord liveth, there's no doubt in it. And as my soul lives, the certainty of it, there is but a step between me and death. Friend, how close are you to death today? If I was to draw a line on this pulpit here, and I was to say, this is your beginning, and this is your end, where would you place yourself? If you're young today, you might place yourself over here. If you're middle-aged, well, you right, right in the center. If you're a little bit older, maybe you will admit, I'm closer over here. But what none of us realize is this. All of us, or any of us, could be standing right on the very brink of death. We never know when we're going to take that last step. I was sitting on a bus one day, front row seat. We were stopped in the traffic. A lady walked directly in front of the bus. No problem there. But because there was another big vehicle right in front of us, she didn't see the car or the other truck that was coming this way. And she stepped out from behind that truck that was in front of us. And that truck that was coming the other direction did not see her. And she didn't see the truck. And in one step, she went from time to eternity. She didn't expect that. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon. 
And I could tell by the things that she had in her hands, that she had in her mind, I've got to get home. I've got to prepare a meal for my children and for my husband. Those were the things that were occupying her. She was involved in legitimate things, good things. Little did she know that day when she came out of that store where she had been shopping that she was going to take her last step. I could tell you many stories. Every gospel preacher can. I was having a series of meetings in Los Angeles. And there was a young couple coming to those meetings. It was a Friday night. We were having a hymn sing. My wife and I were in the kitchen in the room where we were staying or the house where we were staying. This lady came into the room in the kitchen there. I did something I very seldom do. I called her by name and I said to her, would you like to be saved? She's, oh, yes, I would like to be saved. I asked her, when would you like to be saved? She says, well, I need to be saved now, which is I don't have time to talk to you. I want to talk to you tomorrow. I told her, I said, listen, think of it over. If you want to be saved now, now may be your only opportunity. She said, well, no, I, I really have to go now. It's okay. The next day I was going to take a children's meeting so about one o'clock in the afternoon. I was going out the door. Brother came running to me. He says, Tom, have you heard? He said, no. The story went like this. She and her husband got in the car. They were going about five blocks down the road from their house. And the policeman said to the mother this way, he said, ma'am, they don't even know what hit them. Like that, they're in eternity. She told me the night before, less than 24 hours. She said, I know I need to be saved. I want to be saved, but not tonight. What do you say at a funeral like that? It's a dual funeral. It was a touching funeral. But what would it be for your funeral? Listen, there's but a step. That step is a lonely step, friend. You can be in a hospital room. You can have everybody around you, your friends, your loved ones. And they may be crying for you. They may be pleading with you. They may be holding your hand. But when it's your time to go, you're going to go alone. The step to death is a lonely step. You go it alone. Not only is a lonely step, it's a long step. Because it takes you from everything you know in this world into eternity. Oh, how sad. It's a long, long step. But not only is it a long step, it's your last step. You'll never come back again. There's no second chance. There's no U-turn. Gone. Gone forever. But where? Where? If a person dies separated from God in their sin, listen to what the Word of God tells us. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, beamed torments. I've had the miserable, miserable experience of looking into many a casket. And those words burn into my soul as I look into the faces of people. As far as I know, never trusted Christ as her Savior. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, beamed torments. What does it tell him? What hope does he have? Is there any chance that he might come free? Is there any chance that he might get out someday? No, no. No purgatory here. This is for eternity. Listen to the words between us and you. Us. Oh, think of the word. Those who are in heaven above, rejoicing in the knowledge of sins forgiven, worthy only of the wrath of God, but knowing that there was one who died for them, one who cleansed them from all their sins. Us. Oh, what joy, what rejoicing. Never to suffer pain again. Never to feel the anguish of sin, but to rejoice for all eternity in the presence of God himself, us and you. Is there someone in this room that has to place themselves in that word? And me. What would it be to be eternally separated from God and from heaven and to be in the awful place called hell forever and ever? Us 
Would you not put yourself on that side of the fence today? Would you not understand that you need a Savior? Would you not trust him? So you can include yourself with the word us. Think of the Savior. Stands between the sinner and God. Ah, my friend, if you just look at the cross and see the Savior who took the awful beating, the bruising. You see, my friend, when he was upon that cross, he wasn't there to show man how to die. He was there to die for man. He was there to die for the sinner. He was there to suffer the awful punishment of God against my sin and yours. There the Savior alone hung upon Calvary's tree. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be the one who stands between you and God. Your sin is separating you from God. but He has bridged that great gulf and he can take you. He, the just one, suffered for you, the unjust, that he might bring you to God. Would you not trust him? I don't know what your will is. I don't know what your desire is tonight about your soul. Our verse told us God's will is that you would come to know him. It's his desire that you be saved. Doesn't mean you will be, but he wants you to be. He wants you to see that there's only one savior for your sin. It's Christ, the one who died upon the cross. May you trust him tonight. Yes, the Savior died upon Calvary's cross, suffering for sin in order to bring us back to God. He stands in the great gap that exists between us and God. And what a tremendous solution for the terrible separation that we would experience because of our sinful condition. But Christ's death will not avail if he is not personally received as Lord and Savior. Only then will that broken connection with God be forever mended. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor. <laughs>